Salvation is just the first step in God's plan for our lives. If you'd like to know more about salvation, just go to our website at southsidechristianfellowship.net and click on the Salvation tab today. We're hungry for revival. We're hungry for a move of God. But many times what we're saying is we just want to see something happen. We can't define it. We, we're, we're trying to define our future by things that have happened in the past. And God has not called us to define our future by the things that have happened in the past. He's saying, I am doing a new thing in your life and in your lifetime. If you will ask the Father what He's doing, and if you will look among the nations, you will begin to see what the Father is doing. Busy work is not what we need to be doing. What we need to be doing is seeking the heart of the Father and saying, Lord, reveal your heart in the midst of all that's happening right here and right now. What does it mean to be hungry for God? During this pandemic, we've seen our world declare abortion clinics as essential while issuing threats and citations to people attending church. We've seen criminals set free while pastors are being jailed. Where is our focus? Now more than ever before, we should be hungry for a move of God. We should be hungry for revival. In today's message, Pastor Eddie Mason continues with the question, where are you spiritually? By asking another important question, are you hungry for a word from the Lord? I want to talk to you this morning a little bit further along the lines of what I was preaching on last week. Last week I preached on what is your spiritual condition. And I went through five different things. I said, I asked, the Lord challenged me personally with these things. He asked me, he said, Eddie, what is your heart's desire? Then he asked me, he said, are you pursuing holiness? The third thing he asked me, he said, do you walk in humility? The fourth thing he said was, are you hungry for God's word? Fifth thing he asked me, he said, is heaven your home? He began to ask me those, and I have been in a quest for those things, but he really hung me up on one of them really, really strong. And it is, are you hungry for God's word? And I think that a little, probably a little better way of understanding that would be, are you hungry for a word from God? God speaks through his, through his written word. He also speaks through worship. He speaks through his prophetic voice by the Holy Spirit. And so as we begin to seek him and search him, are you hungry to hear the voice of the Lord? And so that's what I want to, that's what I want to uh, talk about this morning is what are you hungry for? What is, what is in your heart? What are you hungry for? You don't have to tell me when I'm hungry. I know I'm hungry. Uh, I get a little bit irritable. Anybody else here get irritable when you, when you don't get to eat? That's right. I get a little bit irritable. I, I like to eat, and so you don't have to tell me. Uh, spiritual hunger is the same way. If you, are, if you are in line with the Holy Spirit, there's something inside of you that's just going to be hungry. You may not recognize it. You may not even completely understand what's happening to you, but there is a hunger inside your spirit that begins to develop, and many times we try to fill that hunger with other things. You know, it would be nice if I had eaten well all my life. You know, the right things, vegetables and, and stuff that tastes like sawdust and all that other good stuff. But, you know, I, I would rather dine on, on uh, popcorn and candy and honey buns and sandwich. Amen. Come on. That's right. Those are the things I like. The only problem is that uh, that kind of makes me fat and sassy. 
not been real good for me. And so I, I don't understand what my body's requiring. It just says it's hungry, and so I feed it what I think will satisfy my flesh the best. And so when I ask this question, I say, um, what are you hungry for? A lot of people will say they're hungry, hungry for revival. Anybody here hungry for revival? Amen. Amen. You're hungry for revival. The only problem is we don't know what that is. We're hungry for revival. We're hungry for a move of God. But many times what we're saying is we just want to see something happen. We can't define it. We, we're, we're trying to define our future by things that have happened in the past. And God has not called us to define our future by the things that have happened in the past. He's saying, I am doing a new thing in your life and in your lifetime. You're, you're here for such a time as this. Isn't that what he, what he said to Esther? He said, you're here for such a time as this. This is our time. This is the time where we're going to fulfill the will of the Father and we're going to be the church in the midst of a, a wicked and perverse generation. And so he's called us to be who we are. And so revival would look different today to, for our nation and for our, our generation than it did 100 years ago. And it's going to look different than it did 200 years ago. And so we need to quit looking back to find out what God's going to do in the present and in the future. Amen? We need to begin to look to him. And so we're asking God. Habakkuk had a little bit of problem with that. He began to look around at what was going on. And he didn't understand where God was standing in the midst of this. In Habakkuk 1 verse 2, he said, Oh Lord. How many of you prayed that prayer? Oh Lord. We've prayed that prayer many times. How long shall I cry for help and you will not hear? Is that not the complaint of the church? Or cry to you, to you violence and you will not save? Why do you make me see iniquity, and why do you idly look at wrong? Destruction and violence are before me. Strife and contention arise. So the law is paralyzed, and justice never goes forth. For the wicked surround the righteous, so justice goes forth perverted. Wow, when you read that in Habakkuk, the first thing you say is, was he living in 2020 in the United States of America? Was he living in a time just like we are, where things that we... we are evil or being called good and things that are called good I mean things that are good are being called evil does he live in that kind of time you see we're living in a time unlike any I've ever seen I'm almost 70 years old and I've never experienced anything like this pandemic but one of the things that I see in the, in the exposure of this pandemic is the heart of government officials in the United States of America look and see what they have done and look where they're moving to as they begin to try to take over. You've been quarantined to your houses. Now, not all of us have listened real well, but you've been told in the blink of an eye you can't come out of your house. There are actually states where people are being arrested. They're telling you you can't go to church. But you can go to Lowe's. You can go to Lowe's because that's an essential service. You know, you can go there, and I guarantee you it is full. I... I the parking lot, Lowe's has made a lot of money out of this pandemic, I can tell you. People, and people's yards are looking better than they've ever looked before. And their houses are cleaner than they've ever been before. And, and so a lot of these things are happening. The other thing I, I thought of, whoever thought you'd go into a drugstore with a mask on your face? Me and this guy, we were walking in there, and one guy, I looked at him, he looked at me, he said, man, I never thought I'd walk into a drugstore with a mask on my face. I said, well, I didn't either, but here we are. We got masks on our face. And, uh, you know, we understand that church is not considered essential, but abortion is. 
People say they're worried about saving lives. Well, if we just shut the abortion clinics down for about 30 days, look how many lives would be saved. You see, so, so there is a, there's an injustice in the land. Violent criminals are being let free and pastors are being arrested. Wow. It's confusing, isn't it? It is confusing. This virus has created a, an atmosphere of fear and panic. People are in the fear mode. You know, when you can't buy toilet paper, that's bad, isn't it? How many of y'all have found toilet paper now? Amen. Toilet paper has come back. It's, got, it's on a comeback. Thank you, Jesus. I was fixing to break out corn cobs in the Sears and Roebuck catalog. I didn't know what we were going to do. But anyway, oh, me. Some of you wouldn't know how to use a Sears and Roebuck catalog. But anyway, we'll go on from that. And then if you look at Facebook, you'll find out that, the, that most of the conversation that's going on about coronavirus is either birthed in fear or birthed in the fact that the rights of, of our, our Constitution have been uh, obliterated. They've taken our constitutional rights away. And you've got people showing up at courthouses with guns saying, we're coming out of our houses. You know, you've got all these things happening. And so where is the focus? What are we hungry for? And what we find out is we're hungry for security and we're hungry for, for the fact we want to do what we want to do when we want to do it. All right, that's what we're really telling people. That's where the hunger is. The other side of that coin is how much time are we asking the Father, what are you doing? We're doing the same thing Habakkuk was doing. We're sitting there and we're complaining to God, God, this isn't right. God, I have constitutional rights. God doesn't recognize your constitutional rights. He recognizes your kingdom rights. But he doesn't recognize your constitutional rights. We're sitting there and we're saying, Lord, you know, I, don't, I can't get out of my house. I can't do all this other stuff. Fear and panic have arisen everywhere. We've yet to say, Father, what are you doing in the midst of this? Now, I'm not seeing everybody. I know there's been some prayer that's gone forth. But we want things to go back to the way they were. I don't. I don't want things to go back to the way they were. Because the way they were, we were in pursuit of nothing but pleasure. We weren't in pursuit of God's heart. We were in pursuit of the things that would bring us comfort and that would satisfy our flesh. And we were on, we were on such a journey and such a path in that way, we were not looking around much and we weren't protesting much of what, what the enemy was trying to accomplish. And so to want us to go back to where we were is a bad way of thinking of things. Everybody said, well, I, I want to be able to hug necks. I haven't stopped hugging necks. You know, I, I'm not, I'm not going to put that on anybody. And I understand there are people that, that are not doing that. Now, I've asked my daddy not to go to the, to the grocery store because I believe there's wisdom in doing those things. I've asked people that are seriously ill not to get involved in things. So I, I'm, I'm trying to use some wisdom in what we're doing. But I want you to know my idea is, God, what are you doing in the earth today? Habakkuk was having a problem. He couldn't understand what all was happening. And so God responded. How many of you know God will respond to your complaints? That was not a righteous prayer. That was an unrighteous prayer to a righteous God, but the righteous God decided to respond anyway. Why? Because God will accept, if you will come to Him, He will accept you and hear what you have to say, and He will respond to you, and He will respond to your attitude. Turn to your neighbor and say, you may need an attitude change. 
Mm-hmm. You may need an attitude change. And God was telling Habakkuk, you need an attitude change. And this is what he said. He said, look among the nations and see. Wonder and be astounded. For I am doing a work in your days that you would not believe if I told. Wow. What was he saying? He's saying, Habakkuk, I'd tell you what I'm doing, but you wouldn't believe it. You know why he wouldn't believe it? Because it did not fit into his spiritual paradigm. It did not fit into Habakkuk's theology. It did not fit into the religious teachings that had come down. And so, because God was going to do something that was outside the boundaries of what Habakkuk had put into his heart, he said, you're not going to believe it because I'm not going to line up with what you think I ought to be doing in the earth. We have to understand that God is going to do what God is going to do in the earth. And what the enemy has meant for evil, God will use for good. Coronavirus may come from the enemy, which I believe, but listen, the, the answer is not going to be found in a laboratory. The answer is going to be found in the hearts of men of God and women of God that are standing in the place on the wall and proclaiming God's glory. Amen. Amen. And so he goes on. And, and he begins to tell him anyway what he's going to do. He said, write down this vision and make it plain. If you will ask the Father what he's doing, and if you will look among the nations, you will begin to see what the Father is doing. Don't waste what's going on right this minute. Let me say that one more time. Don't waste what's going on right this minute. Busy work is not what we need to be doing. What we need to be doing is seeking the heart of the Father and saying, Lord, reveal your heart in the midst of all that's happening right here and right now. Now, after, he, after God reveals to Habakkuk what's going on, Habakkuk makes an amazing statement. In Habakkuk 3.17, he says, Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food. The flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herds in the stall. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. The God, the Lord, is my strength. Wow. Wow. Come on now. The olive tree was, was the, the whole place of, of prosperity for Habakkuk. The food, the cattle, everything revolved around all of that. And he said, I don't care what happens to the prosperity of the nations. What I care about is that the Lord God will sustain me regardless of what's going on. My God is my love and my strength. I will feed on him. Habakkuk said after God revealed his heart, he said, I'm hungry for more of you, God. I want you. Amen. Are you picking up what I'm laying down? That's what I was told to say Wednesday night. Amen. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Let me ask you another question. Can you make that same declaration? Can you make that same declaration? You, it, It's easy. We need to be able to say with God, I'll stand with you. I don't care what happens. I don't care what's going on in the economy. I don't care what's going on in all these other sectors. All I want to do is I want to know you, and I want to know what you're doing in the earth. You see, that is not the attitude of most Christians. That is not the attitude. Most of the time we come to God and say, God, what can you do for me? 
What can you do for me? And you see, the problem is when we put our faith in prosperity and when we put our faith in the government, we are now putting ourselves on a course that establishes what I call the beast kingdom, which brings us into a place to where that the Antichrist can rise up and take over because we are sold out to a system that's not godly. That's unreal, isn't it? It's not something that's happened overnight. It's been a slow grind and a slow process. And it's the winning over of the hearts. And fear is the main weapon of the enemy. Habakkuk found a place of peace and rest in his soul. Let me say that again. Habakkuk found a place of peace and rest in his soul. He was no longer worried about the injustice that was taking place in the earth. He was no longer worried that the righteous were, were, were being put down. He was no longer worried about that because why? He had a promise from God and God said, I will prevail. How many of you believe God will prevail? Amen. Our peace comes from knowing that our God will prevail. In Deuteronomy 8.3, he said, And God humbled you, talking to the children of Israel, and he let you hunger. Wow. He let you hunger. He said, you got hungry. Now, he's talking about in the physical, but I'm talking about in the spiritual aspect. We need to get hungry for God when we see what's going on. He said, and he fed you with manna, bread from heaven which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. He said he fed you with manna. You didn't know what manna was. You had no idea what manna was. But he said it's the bread of heaven. And when he said the bread of heaven, who was he speaking of? He wasn't speaking just of the physical food they were about to eat. He was speaking about the Lord Jesus Christ, that the manna from heaven, that coming into that experience would fill them. But he said, you're not, you're not, you don't have any idea where this is coming from. But he said, he said, man shall not live by bread alone. In Matthew 4, 4, Jesus answered Satan and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Are we hungry for the words of God? Are we hungry to have him satisfy our soul? In Matthew 5, 6, Jesus teaching the Beatitudes, and he said, happy. Turn to your neighbor and say, happy. Happy are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. For they shall be satisfied. I like that statement. Anybody here ever been hungry and you just didn't know what you wanted to eat? Man, you just didn't know. You got, you got a cupboard full of food and you look in there and nothing seems to be what you want. And so if you're like me, you eat something anyway. And maybe a little, eat a little popcorn. When you finish your popcorn, you know you got that salty taste in your mouth. And so you finish up the popcorn, then you got to have a little ice cream because you got to get that salty taste out of your mouth so you can wash down that, that with the ice cream. And after you finish the ice cream, it's gotten too sweet, so you got to have a few crackers. A honey bun wouldn't hurt too bad either. And the next thing you know, you've eaten and you've eaten and you've eaten. And maybe y'all don't have that problem. Y'all can tell I've had that problem a few times. But you've eaten all this stuff, but you're not satisfied. Anybody here eating and not been satisfied? Amen. And so we eat and we're not satisfied. And so we got we to understand that Jesus said, blessed are those, happy, satisfied are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. 
Satisfied are those who come after this stuff. And so he's called us into this place of being completely satiated, completely satisfied with what God has. We come to these places in our life, and God says, if you'll seek me, if you'll come after me, I will bring you into that place. You see, Habakkuk got, got, got peace because he had hope. He got peace because he got satisfied within who God was. Not in what was going on, but who God was. How many of us can be say we're satisfied? We've been filled with God. How many of us hunger and thirst for that righteousness? That righteousness that he's talking about has to do with that right position with God. It has to do with being hungry for the presence of God. That, that has a place to do that says everything in this world has, not, has failed. Only you can satisfy me. I tell this story many, many times because I, I, I lived it. I was 20, 21 years old. And my dad and I were standing outside and we were talking to a guy. And daddy made the statement. He said, you know something? He said, Eddie and I, we've tried the best hotels in the world. We've eaten at the best restaurants in the world. We've played golf on the best golf courses in the world. And he said, Solomon was right. It's all vanity. And I can remember in my mind saying, Daddy, you've done all that stuff. I want to try it for myself. Come on, some of you have done the same thing. Don't, don't look at me so holy. You know good and well. And so we had this spiritual hunger going inside of us, and we try to fill it with activity. We try to fill it with the pursuit of the things of the world. We try and we, we, we gorge ourselves on, on other lovers. We gorge ourselves on the things that the world has for us. We, go, we get into games and we lose ourselves in gaming. We lose ourselves in everything that's round about us so that we don't have to think about what's going on inside of us. And what's going on inside of us is a cry for God the Father. Are you picking up what I'm laying down? <laughs> Amen. Psalm 46.10 he said, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Some of you people, he needs to, to hear this. Be still. How many of you have trouble being still? Amen. He said, be still and know that I am God. You say, we, it's kind of like the, the little boy that stood up and kept standing up and standing up and standing up. And finally the teacher threatened him within an inch of his life. And he sat down, and his teacher said, finally, he sat down. He said, I may be sitting down on the outside, but I'm standing up on the inside. You know, that's what happens is we can't get quiet within our own spirit sometimes. We can be, maybe we can be still in position, but our spirit is going to such an extent that we don't know how to pursue God and hear the hope that God has given to us. And God has given us a hope. God has given us a hope for our family. God has given us a hope for the, for the people that are around about us. God has given us a, a spirit of victory if we will just choose to walk in that victory. We are not victims. Our God will be exalted in all the earth. Amen. It is Him and Him alone. I believe what you're hungry for is the same thing I'm hungry for. I'm hungry for the presence of God Almighty. I'm hungry to engage with the Holy Spirit. And I'll have to confess there's been many, many times that I have just avoided doing that because I didn't want to just go sit down. I'd rather sit down and watch some meaningless television program and let my mind just 
get get numbed out on what was going on rather than get into his presence. But you know, there's an interesting thing that happens. When I tell my flesh no and my spirit yes, my spirit begins to rise up inside of me. And when my spirit begins to rise up inside of me, I get excited about being in the presence of God himself. I get excited about what the Holy Spirit's doing. I put myself in a place where I can hear God say, hey, I got this under control. Hey, I know what's happening in your family. I know what's happening in your finances. I know what's happening in the court systems. I know what's happening in the abortion clinics. I know what's happening. And trust me, boys and girls, I got it under control. That's what God says. When I struggled with my son David, he would tell me over and over, I love him more than you do. And I said, there's no way. But he does. And he'd tell me over and over, I got him. Until he told me so many times, I finally believed him. I don't know what situation you're in, but I can tell you right now, you need a hunger for God. You need a hunger for His Word. You need a hunger for His presence. You need to move in what God has laid down for each one of us. We need to eat the manna. We need to eat from the presence of Jesus Himself. You've been listening to Sunday Sermons from Southside Christian Fellowship Church, a place where you're loved, accepted, and received a place of healing, a place of prayer, a place of hope. We invite you to join us this Sunday and every Sunday. For service times, location, and other information about the church, please visit our website at southsidechristianfellowship.net. Again, that's southsidechristianfellowship.net. As we wrap up today's message, we would like to once again thank you for listening. We would like to also have Papa Herman, an elder at Southside, to speak a Father's blessing over you. May the Lord bless and keep you, that he would cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you, that the Lord would lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you his peace. And remember that the Lord's favor is with you all the time. Expect it. It is with you. It's manifesting itself to you. It will overtake you no matter where you are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.